You're listening to Traumedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma using comedy. Traumedy is not a replacement for trauma therapy, but it will help you get by between sessions. Humor allows me to go a lot deeper with my trauma therapy because I have the buoyancy to come back up to the light with humor. I'm your host, Nancy Norton. I'm a comedian, a registered nurse, and a keynote speaker about the power of humor. And humor helps us in so many ways. It gives us resilience, re-energizes us, helps us with creative problem solving, team building, and health. It actually raises your NK cells, natural killer cells, which scan your body for viruses and other problems. So look, man, stay healthy. Keep laughing. Laugh as often as possible. Take a humor break. Every hour, take a humor break. This week's episode deals with the suicide of a loved one. My guest this week is a comedian, a friend of many years, and I did not know he was holding all this trauma. So it's wonderful that he's ready to talk about it, share it. He's healing, and he shared a wonderful insight with me this week, which is, I think you can only heal yourself. Wow, I want to be with that. So I hope this episode takes you to another level of self-healing. Welcome to the Nancy Norton Podcast, everyone. I'm Uncle Nance. <laughs> I'm your new Uncle Nance. <laughs> Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is Eric Henderson. Hello. Hello, Eric. That's me. Thanks for coming to my house. And Thanks my for having me. Being at my workbench. This is beautiful. <laughs> it is. Beautiful isn't it? studio. Isn't it? Does it have a good vibe? You can play with the wind chimes. I'll do it for this. For the, I've been waiting for you to ask me. To uh, that's gorgeous. Little Eric Henderson produces the wind chimes. <laughs> Right there. No one's ever played the wind chimes. Never? Never. Wow. You're the first one. Now I think you're lying to me. No, I am not lying to you. Yeah. No one's as tall as you and could reach them. They'd no have one. to crawl across No or one get a is stick. as tall as me. <laughs> How tall are you? 6'4". Are you really? Six foot four inches. You have to duck under the doorways. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. How many times a week do you hit your head? Oh, at least three, probably. <laughs> I hit it on something because I started shaving my head recently and I was helping my brother with his drag racing car. And then the next day, I was like, oh, I must have hit it on. Because it was, uh, like, cut, bruised, red. I was trying to show my friend, and he was like, I can't fucking see it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get on a ladder it's to like, look at your yeah, head. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, look at my top of my head. You can't tell this. He's like, he's, you know, he's normal size. He's 5'10", 5'8", I don't know. In normal size. He's like, I can't see the top of your head. And did, I was like. Did, when you shaved it, could you tell it's more vulnerable up there? Like, do you feel like the hair is a, I mean, it is a protective It feature. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the sun, sunburn. I'm gotcha. a, I got it. Because this is kind of my first full summer with it. I started shaving it in the fall. And, but uh, the sunburn is real. Oh, yeah. You get your whole head sunburned. I shaved my head once in response to the, uh, sh the shock and awe of Baghdad. Okay. With some women activists. The first one? The first one. The first one. The first shock and awe. Yeah. Wow. I felt like I was more present. I don't know. Do you feel like it makes you more present? I thoroughly enjoy it. Okay. I mean, it, you, you go through a lot as a man when you have to start shaving your head. It's yeah. a big mental thing. Yeah. But the day that I did it and made the decision, I was like, oh, fuck, I should have done this earlier. And so, because I do feel better. I don't feel good with it when it's when it grows out even a little bit and looks like the shadow. I don't even like that anymore. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. So it's, it is kind of like, because I just turned 36, 
And I'm like, this is my final form. I'm bald, shaved head, <laughs> bearded, and then I wear glasses so that it looks like I read books so that people don't <laughs> so don't assume that I'm uh, you know, the wrong kind of shaved head yeah. white guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wear the glasses because it makes it look Just like I read pr- I read I read once. <laughs> you know? I'm 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 enlightened. Yeah. Ask me about the Dewey Decimal System. I dare you. <laughs> I go to the Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah, I would. Someone <laughs> would ask me. I'll wear pink. Yeah, I do have pink that I wear. <laughs> so. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, You've I'm very happy to be here. So the point of it is, I'm studying therapeutic humor, just to recap what the point of this okay. is. And I go around and I talk about the value of humor, why we need it. And actually, it really helped me when I read these articles, back when I was trying to figure out why I'm losing my memory, I, w- I was studying neuroplasticity yeah and the algorithms that we were uh-huh. talking about earlier yep ai yeah they said did you mean neural pathways of humor interesting I, I guess so but what i learned was and it made me feel like gosh i left nursing which i had such a great sense of purpose and then i just felt like i was self-indulgent with comedy uh-huh. but what i found out is we are of service as yeah. comedians we oh, really yeah. are did you? Uh, oh. You already knew that. I've thought that my whole life because it. What What really gets me is like after you do a show and you're standing there in the lobby and people are filing out. People say thank you, thank you. I needed that. I had such a bad week. This is the first time I've laughed in six days. I've, so you. So know I it. knew that. Or I. I've got that. That's part of why I do it too. Is because, well, shit. Now my life is so tragic that I kind of look at that as cathartic to me. If I can help other people, because I feel so bad most of the time because the things I've been through. That if I could. Break that for 45 minutes, you know. And be of service. And to make somebody feel better. And even even so, it even kind of makes me feel even more so because I've masked my bad, my bad feelings to create joy. And so now I'm like in my head, like on this whole nother level, like, uh, like, look what you did. Like, yeah, you're, so, it's, you're not in your suffering. Right. When you're being of service. I'm like, it's like the exponentially the opposite of being in suffering. It's like, because I'm not in suffering. I'm, I'm currently having joy. And then I'm also creating joy and then removing suffering from other people. So it's so much unsuffering. <laughs> I love it. That's the name yeah. of your next album. The, the unsuffering. So much unsuffering. So much unsuffering. I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful, Eric. <laughs> I did not know that. I honestly just felt so needy yeah. as a comedian. Like I needed the connection. I needed to feel heard. I needed to feel understood. Yeah. And I needed uh, to be liked. I mean, oh, this I mean, is that's all. Why I got, that's why I got into it. I like, mean, we're, got, that's, we're, we're getting into how I got my, all, my whole, I've done enough therapy to know how I got into comedy. And it's because I come from an environment that didn't propel my self-esteem. I've always struggled with self-esteem. And so... And I'm a a younger of a, a brother, so I have an older brother who was like the star of the family. It was like, why can't you be more like your brother? So I'm like, oh. bitch, let's see if my brother can stand on stage by himself and make a hundred people laugh. <laughs> I doubt, you know, that's what <laughs> propelled me. It was like, oh, I can't do, I can't. It, it's it's like the ultimate. I'll show you. It's like I got nothing. I came with nothing but my thoughts. Yeah. And I'm alone, and I'll show you. Every big, every big laugh I get, I still have that when it, when it's going well and I'm in the flow state, as the youth says now. And like when you know you're on stage and it's going well and you can feel it, I still get that deep inside me. Look at me, motherfucker! Like <laughs> you're talking to your older brother, right? No, just any, just like kind of like the, just the. I've created a maybe just a thing in my head. It's the Michael Jordan mentality. Maybe I made all this up at this point, but it's like the haters, you know, like yeah. the, the people that always thought that oh, I'd never be good enough to do shit. It's like, well, could they stand here and do this? 
because I don't know. So that keeps a fire in your belly. Right. And, and it's, it's like, but it's also like on the flip side is it is how I got into it is because I was trying to prove that I am likable and, and, and funny and, and, and all of those things. That's why I'm here. Yeah. When, did, when did you start stand up? When, when, when were you, did you start where and where, where and when did you start? I started when I was 21 years old. Uh, Such a baby. Yeah. So I'm 36 now. So it's 15 years ago, but I started when I was 21 in Colorado Springs. Uh, it's where I grew up. And when I started, there was one comedy club in town, still there, Loonies. Loonies. I was just there doing Moms Unhinged, and I have to tell you, it was fun. Oh, yeah. It's nah. so much better now that it's Eric owns around. it. It's turned around, for sure. And then the local scene, when I was 21, 15 years ago, there was one open mic once a month you could go to. If you didn't work at the club, if you wanted to get into it, because I'll never forget it. I was like kind of going through a, a dark phase. I had dislocated my ankle riding BMX uh, like the day after Christmas. And so I couldn't like a brand new Christmas bike. No, no, no. It just happened to be the day after Christmas. I was, I had just moved into an apartment downtown, uh, in Colorado Springs by myself. I was in a one bedroom apartment by myself and I must've been 20 at this point. And, uh, I was 20 at this point cause it all leads into the story, but I had dislocated my ankle. Couldn't walk for three months. It was terrible. I kind of got addicted to taking Percocet and, and drinking too much. I, you know, I was kind of in a bad place. Mentally, and I was in Colorado Springs. I really hadn't found my purpose in life. I didn't go to really, really, I didn't really go to college. Like, I went to, I got accepted to college and then decided not to go because I didn't want the student loans. I was the only person I knew smart enough to look at the bill. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Be like, who's got $17,000 a year times four? I'm like, who's paying for this? And so I went to community college for a couple semesters, but I failed a music appreciation class because I forgot about a final. Like, Oh, I flat out thought I was just skating by what I I got an F in a music appreciation. I learned how to read music when I was in second grade. When I was eight years old, I learned how to read music. But, but just by uh, logistics. Now you work right. in logistics sometimes. Right. There but was a whole, I was supposed to go to something and review it and I didn't do it. And he's like, you didn't do the final project. And I was like, I did everything. He's like, what about this? I was like, well, you got me. And then I failed F. So I quit signing up for college. And then, uh, and I was just working. I used to work for Coca-Cola. Just stocking soda in grocery stores. So you've had to be self-sufficient from a very young age. Oh, yeah. I was, I mean, my upbringing was not pleasant. And so I left as soon as I could. I moved out for the first time when I was 19 uh, and never really looked back. Because my, my home life was, my dad was kind of like a narcissistic alcoholic. He wasn't violent physically, but he was violent with his words. And not always directed to you, but he was just loud and yelling all of the time. And everything was about him. And he didn't really have much empathy. Yeah. And you don't really exist. Right. I and mean, you're so, just an extension of him or something. Right. And so, and he wasn't happy with his marriage and his life. And it seemed like, and, uh, and he drank a lot too much, even through getting diagnosed with diabetes. He still was a cranberry and vodka first thing in the morning kind of guy. And that's uh, like his breakfast Oh, yeah. And like he struggled with alcoholism his entire life. And then later in life, I know that as an adult, like my parents were prescribed antidepressants their entire life. And so when I look back at the like, I know what I went through. It was most of the time I was hiding in my room, not trying to be not trying to get attention. Just, Just flying under the radar. I, I can. That's why I live so small. I still struggle with this is where I can minimize myself. Like I've had this situation where I live with roommates where I literally make myself the smallest. You won't even know I'm here. And this has been with roommates that are adults and I can take up space. It's been my whole life. 
has been trying to break down these shells. Okay. Yeah. So because it's a safety thing. Oh, yeah. And so I still do it to this day. Like, it's why I've lived alone for most of the time is because I feel the most comfortable not having to be in the same space with others because it creates a thing in my mind where I try to shrink myself. And it's I know enough now to know that it's not healthy yeah. for me to live like that. And But for whatever reason, when I'm with another person, I will minimize absolutely. I'm so good at that, and it's a, it's root trauma from my upbringing. Probably from a from infancy. Oh yeah. Or in no, utero. No, it was yeah. It was like my whole life. Yeah, who knows? Even because the vibrations you pick up when because I'm I'm sure it was tremendous. I don't know when my parents had a a good. I mean, they loved each other or whatever. They were together until my dad died tragically. <sighs> Is that the trauma you were gonna yeah. talk about today? Oh yeah. We want to get into it. Well, well. We might as well might get into as well, it. Huh? We might as well get into it. What do you it. think? Does this feel right? Yeah, this feels good. So my dad, when I was 28 years old, shot himself. <sighs> yeah. It could have been an ambient blackout. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Because I don't know if you know about ambient. I learned this. I've heard some stuff about ambient where yeah. people, they do this crazy shit in the night. They don't even know yep. they've done it. There's judicial precedent. People could commit vehicular manslaughter and have gotten off in court. Because they were on Ambien. This is a known side effect the of this drug. Ambien defense. Yeah. I don't know. I learned all this after the fact because I built this in my head. I do not know why my dad shot himself, but he did. And I've been able to piece this together for the sanity of my own. I know that him and my mom should have gotten divorced, probably. It saved a lot of people a lot of trauma. But I also pretty much, I'm pretty sure that it was an Ambien-related incident. Because there was an incident uh, months before he had actually done it where he was in Iowa trying to do do some address a family matter regarding a, a farmland that was like historically in the family. But then somebody died during the Great Depression. So the paperwork didn't get filed right. So it's like nobody knows who really owns this farm anymore. And he was out there trying to solve this one time trying to he found like a quick claim deed that he thought was the smoking gun for everything. But one night he called me. While he was in his, he took like an RV out to where he's from. He's from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, originally. Is where all this went down. We can trace our lineage from Ireland to the farm of Cedar Directly Rapids. Directly to Cedar Rapids. With I two pages in a book we found that that list talked about this guy that left Ireland, Cork, Ireland, and then went to Boston, New York, Chicago, and then this farm in Iowa, and then it lists his descendants, and the last descendant is my great grandmother. And so we're able to piece together through these two pages in a book somewhere. So many generations. Yes. And so this all adds up. Somebody owns this farm in Iowa. And so, but he called me from the RV because he's like, he's been all distant from his family for traumatizing reasons as well. Like we kind of walk a similar path. His dad died when he was 28 of a heart attack. What? Yeah. The same exact age. Same age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was. Uh, That's messing with that me. That was medical malpractice. My grandfather had called his doctor and told him that he was having chest pain. And his doctor told him not to fucking deal with it he died of a heart attack dad was 28. my dad was 28 his dad died of a heart attack which probably could have been avoided when i was 28 my dad died of suicide which may have been medical malpractice there which could have with, also been medical malpractice you're Ambien absolutely people. right with the ambien i'll never know this is my mystery yeah and but, but this <laughs> ancestral trauma yeah. i'm sorry to interrupt it but oh, it's I, okay i'm really noticing ancestral trauma yeah that and and the also you know, I'm in a recovery program for adult children, and it's like the the way I have – it's amazing how I have found people to recreate my trauma and drama with. Like, it's yeah. uncanny. 
I don't understand how it works. But this ha- right. to me, that sounds uncanny that your dad. I've never really thought about it until now. That your dad and your the lost conne- his well, dad at twenty. When well, he- I've thought about that, but the connection where it's malpractice. Wow. Potentially malpractice because I found this story out about my grandfather just recently. My mom just told me this recently about my dad's dad. I didn't know that my whole life. I know my dad's my grandpa was dead my whole life. I knew it was a heart attack, but it was like my brother's been freaked out about cholesterol his whole life because of this. And it's like, but my mom was like, no, this is, this was like the doctor fucked up. Like she was with my dad when this all happened. And like my grandpa should have been admitted to the hospital because he was having a heart attack. And who knows, would that doctor just being lazy that night? He was on who call. I he think he wanna... was golfing or some shit yeah, too. Like yeah. it was literally like that. For real. Yeah. And then cost the life of my grandfather. And then that's why my dad was so traumatized. That's the core of my dad's. Cause then my, my, my grandmother had multiple sclerosis. And was wheelchair ridden, so he had to become caregiver of the family and take care of her in a wheelchair and his little sister. And so this fucked my dad's life up. Like I know why my dad's fucked up because his dad died on four twenty. Uh, shout out! And <laughs> <laughs> everybody take a hit. Yeah, light it up, smoke them if you got them. And uh, so every four twenty on the anniversary of my dad's dad's death, my dad would be fucked up every time, just drunk as hell, sad. On the anniversary of his dad's death. Every single year, not a good you. Not, I know it. I, Unresolved I trauma. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's from that generation. They didn't do therapy. Yeah, they put stuff in. I'm a lucky he didn't beat us. I'm not gonna fuck around. Like he just yelled a lot and got drunk and was just temperamental. Well, psychological abuse is as bad, and sometimes I think worse. Don't it you think be. it would have been easier to take uh-huh. a beating? Well, I'm I don't. A, I'm I don't. a little bitch, so I don't like to get hit. <laughs> I don't either. I don't like pain. I'm not just my not thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the psychological trauma, though, it's so insidious because uh, it gets inside you. And they it's t- fucked me up my whole life. I'm, uh, I've started my healing process only a couple years ago, like thoroughly. And now that I'm healing, I have all of this hindsight. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, I've been fucked up this whole time. <laughs> Turns out. Turns out. Yeah, when we deconstruct, it is so humbling, isn't it? When yeah. we start, like... I, I'm trying to look back at the time where I, I think in my early 20s, I had the illusion of, I am so okay. Like, right. I had no clue that I was so messed up. Right. And then I look back and go, I I was so messed up the whole time. Right. Because even before this had happened, like, I don't have a framework of what a relationship should look like. Like, I don't know what love is. I wasn't told I was loved. Like, saying I love you feels weird to me. It's taken, I'm 36 now, so saying I love you, even to my brother, it feels weird to say that. Does it feel like, like, uh, Right, it's like a new thing I'm doing. Like, I I didn't realize eye contact was that important until (laughs) fucking, I don't know, 10 years ago. And so it's like, I've had to learn all this basic shit. And like, what I, oh yeah, the the framework for a relationship. Like, I've struggled with relationships because I don't know what a good one looks like. You don't have a model. I don't have a blueprint. Mm -hmm. And so, I know it's not what they had. I know what love's not. Yeah, don't do that one. Right, and so that impeded my relationships. Before this had happened, I it had I didn't know what fucking love looked like, so I was dating girls that would cheat on me, or that was a reoccurring Lie, thing that had happened. Yeah, violate yeah, violate yeah. your trust. <laughs> right, and then uh, but isn't that back to what I was saying about recreating our trauma with these right. guys that are violating your trust or that treat you treat you less than? Yeah, because that's something we feel. I my mother, I believe, had a narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah kind of a covert narcissist. I don't know how, but we can find these doppelgangers, I don't know, right. for lack of a better word, that will treat us similarly. And it feels like love because it's familiar. 
Yeah. Like, oh, this is Because there was a situation. I don't know a lot of the details about it. They kept a lot of this shit from me. But there was a situation where there was something when I was in high school between my mom and the auto shop teacher at the high school. Something, ha- something happened. Something, I don't know. I don't know what. Something in the transmission. He got fired from that high school. And you think your mom... Oh, it was directly related to whatever happened. It was directly related to whatever happened because my dad was the one that, like, went to the school and was like, you see what your fucking teacher's doing? And he got fired. Oh, man. Like, the auto... And it, and it ruined the whole... Ruined a lot of kids' lives. They're like, why well, he was a very beloved teacher. He got fired for no reason. And I'm, like, the guy that knows the fucking... I'm like, no, nah, it was something that they won't tell me. <laughs> my mom's involved, and I was in high school, so I didn't really know what the Did fuck Did they was blame you? Did they think no, 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 were, no, no. They didn't know you were involved. No, 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 no. What it was was he was like, what the teacher was doing was he was using me and my brother to lure my mom to the school alone or some shit like that to be predatory. He would be like, oh, I want to talk to you about your kids. I'm thinking about the thing that goes under the car called a creeper. Yeah. Isn't it called oh, a creeper? Yeah, it's the thing? A creeper. Yeah, dude. It's class one creeper I'm, here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this guy. Class one creeper. Yeah, and so yeah, and then they let, never get under here. Let me. I want to. We got to check your yeah. four, four on the floor. So then here's where it gets extra fucked up, right? So he gets fired, and then later in life, I get a job through my brother's friend, who was like in the auto shop. But a lot of drag racing going on. Cars, not drag, not okay. RuPaul anymore. This guy, you got to mention it now. When I say my brother's a drag racer, I get <laughs> funny looks. So like, you know, so years later I get a job and it's parking cars at a fucking car dealership. I'm a comedian by this point. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll do anything to pay rent. I get a job and then the guy works there. Like the old man, the, the teacher dude works at the no place. No way. Full right. circle. Yeah. And so it's like, I, now he's my co So I see him again and like, I don't know what the fuck happened because nobody ever told me. So I'm like borderline friendly with the guy. <laughs> like, cause nobody ever. I, like, I love the term borderline friendly. Like nobody ever told me. I feel bad. I was like, you got fired. Everybody loved you. What happened? And shit like that. And to this day, I'll never know because I ain't going to ask at this point. Like, what, what did he say? Oh, that I've never. We you never, never really said we that? We never talked to. Yeah. I'm sure he thought it was fucking weird too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, here I am buying him a card on Christmas because I'm like, I don't know. What I, I think you might have banged my mom. I Merry Christmas. I fucking don't know. They don't like also part of traumas. I'm the youngest, so they hide shit from me. So when my dad killed himself, I went to a tunnel of what do y'all know that I don't? Because they lived in the house with him. I've been astray for a decade. So I'm like, what happened? Like, what are you, what happened on the ground level? How's it been at the house? What are you not telling me? Where's the yeah. hard drive with the fucking secrets on it? Because there was cryptic shit, too. Like, one time I found my mom would, like, record shit. That's how you know it was fucked up. It's because she knew she was it was yep. traumatic. And so, like, there were, you know, voice so recorders. So she was doing, this taking was, care of yeah, herself. Yeah, like, tape recorders existed and shit like that. So one time I found, my dad was high tech all the time. Bought camcorders, computers. He was pro the internet. Every technology he had. So there's, like, recorders, all sorts of shit around. Throughout the years. And so, but one thing I found was this gray, it was a cassette recorder. Like you push record and it was a cassette tape and you could record onto a cassette tape. Say you wanted to record a meeting or something. Sure. This was that technology, like a Sony. Like a little handheld. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm like playing because I'm looking for fucking secrets. You know what I'm saying? I'm going through everything. Like yeah. When they're not home, because I'm, you can't trust I'm these raiding people. their fucking shit. Like, oh, I went, I crossed the lines looking for shit. Like I had, they had no privacy in my eyes. I was like, <laughs> why the fuck did he kill himself? Like, I'm checking your you computer. Where's his phone? Know. Where's his computer? Where's your phone? Where's your... Com- what the fuck aren't you telling me? And I did find a... It was like this cassette recording. I turn it on, and it's just like ambient record of him yelling at my mom, you know? Like, from the other room, too, even. Like, it was like borderline nonsense. But it was like... It was like kind of like everyday shit. Because he would yell all the time, degrading things. And 
bullshit like that. But it was like, I don't know, the recording just felt weird because it was almost like he was yelling at nobody. And it was like, this was like... Just ranting. Like, I don't know when this recording was recorded. But in my eyes, like, because I kind of knew something was going wrong with his mind. Because I was had mentioned that story about the phone call in Iowa. I don't know if I even told the whole story, but no, I probably interrupted you. It's okay. Uh, what happened with the phone call in Iowa? He like called me one night because he's trying to find these answers, and this is what I think he had called me in the midst of an ambient blackout because he didn't sound like he did ever. I've never even even since then, like the tone of his voice, the things he was saying. Never experienced this once with my father. Like a totally different totally personality, different person. yeah, and speech he, pattern. And he was talking about people were like, I think they know where I am. Like, I think they're coming for me. He was like a paranoia being traced. He's in like a farm in Iowa, like trying to dig up secrets. But he did not sound like himself. He didn't sound like any version of himself. I know him hammered. I know him blackout drunk. I know him. I know him. Yeah. He's my father. And But the he did not sound good. And I remember bringing this up. I was like, I think there might be something wrong with him because he had been through some a car accident. His gallbladder had all exploded. Like he almost died on Christmas Day once. We were in the hospital over Christmas once because his gallbladder, gallbladder ruptured. ruptured, and he almost died. We were in the fucking hospital. There's no sadder place than Christmas in the hospital, and I know this vividly. When I see a fucking the Christmas tree, I have this visual. It's, I can still paint it for you right now. But that, but that, but the idea of seeing a Christmas well, like tree. Well, like we were there all in night, a, you know what I'm saying? A, in a, like a, a hospital. An empty ho- hospital lobby in the middle of the in night on Christmas Eve. a hospital lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Christmas As you're walking tree. back out through Just the, the fucking the double thing. doors to leave. Yeah, because you're in the hospital on Christmas. There ain't nothing sadder than that. Yeah. And so. Maybe a funeral home. I don't want to get competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 can go, I can go around for a round. <laughs> Do you think they would have. Okay, no, let's. Can we take a pause here and just like, can we try, uh-huh. to, try to find something sadder? And a, fu- a, tree, a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree in the hospital. I, I'm going funeral home. Yeah. I'm going like casket displays uh-huh. with like. Little Christmas tree in the casket display room. <laughs> this is getting pretty dark, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was just trying to think of what's dark. worse thing than that. No, but I was trying to do a little tromedy on it. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, I'm not taking away from no, what all. you're doing. And maybe it was inappropriate because no, like, no, we are no. sipping tequila, I which I don't shit. usually do. And yeah. that's the thing with therapeutic humor is it's supposed to be, it's supposed to like, you know, lift. It's yeah. not supposed to make you feel violated. No, trust me. Violate. If, if, Did you feel violated by no, that? No, no, no. If I, if I, not at all. Absolutely not. Because uh, if I wasn't, I'm in a place. You caught me at a good time because <laughs> I've done a. I had a spiritual revolution, revelation in December, and I received. I like this. I like a spiritual revolution too. Revolution. I'd like to talk about that yeah, later. Yeah. No, but I'm serious. I think that it should may be a have thing. been one and the same. Yeah, man. So you had a spiritual revelation when at Christmas? In December. In this December. Year, it was on the solstice, which is my favorite day of the year, the winter solstice. Oh yeah. Flash forward eight years now, I had been living in Colorado Springs. I had moved back to Colorado Springs to heal. I didn't know what I was doing. Life just took me there. And I'm like, what the f-? you know, a lot of times I was just there. I was just living with my brother in Colorado Springs for a year, not doing shit, not doing stand-up, not dating, just in Colorado Springs, in the house. I made the office. I made my office the room that he died in. Oh, I, turned, wow. I turned the office that he died in into my office and was just there all day, hanging out all day in that fucking room. To reclaim the energy. I'm yeah. forcefully changing the fucking story. And then after a year of, be, of of this, I was like, so I had Thanksgiving with my friend's family last year, Cuban family, and a beautiful time. I'm not Cuban, clearly. And so, <laughs> and then in this, it's like uh, I've met some of them loosely through my life, so I know a lot of them. 
uh, this Cuban family. And then it was beautiful because my friend's nephew had gotten married and her parents had never met his parents because they're from Mexico and the pandemic. So it's the first Thanksgiving where they're meeting after being married, joining families. And so this was like a ceremonious thing for them. They're singing songs in Spanish by the end of the night. It's a very beautiful thing to be a part of. Especially since my home is very broken, Thanksgiving, the holidays are very sad for me. And so this year I was able to get away from it. And then at the end of the night, we're all hammered. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. We eat a handful of mushrooms. It's the end of the night. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We're drunk on Thanksgiving. And that's when we decide to eat mushrooms. And we go to the fucking moon. These mushrooms had like this blue hue around it I've never seen before. Oh, I've seen some like that. Put uh, David Attenborough's color show. Beautiful, colorful animals in the wild, David. We muted it and put on a Jimi Hendrix playlist. And so we're listening to Jimmy. We're watching fucking indigo blue hummingbirds mate and dance and shit like that. And had a wonderful time. And then a couple of weeks later, I credit the, 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 what I'm about to tell you to that trip. And, uh, so a couple of weeks later, I'm having a panic attack. Like I'm at this, I'm like kind of having breakdowns in December mentally. I'd gotten COVID. I was in a foot boot because I was fucking kicking field goals. So I couldn't, I was in a foot boot for three weeks. It was pretty bad in December for my life. It was on the solstice, which is my favorite day. And I was having a panic attack, thinking I was having a heart attack. And I'm in the office, the room that he died in. And I felt his energy appear (gasps) and apologize. I shit you not. I believe you. And he's like, I'm sorry. And since that day is eight years of closure. You know what I'm saying? Since that day... I turn my whole mentality around. This is eight months ago now. and I'm just being with that. <clears throat> I, I get the chills all over, right. and that's my sign. That's true. Right. And I mean, it happened, and I felt it. Because yeah. I felt his presence periodically. And so since then, I forgave him. Because for a while, I was met, you know, it was like eight years. I was like, what the fuck happened here? And so now I'm like, hey, it don't matter. So now you don't feel like you have to right. try and unearth. I don't give a fuck what happened anymore. Now I'm trying to just heal my relationship accept with my brother. And trying my to accept it. Now I'm trying to thrive because I'm like, yeah. well, fuck it. Like I've also had a couple near-death experiences lately on the road. Oh, yeah. And so like I've almost died. Right. And then I'm like. We need to talk about that as well. <clears throat> and then, but I know I'm interrupting you, yeah. but we're going back and forth in time. But tell me. Did you see him or you just felt it? I just it? felt it. It was a knowing. It, it broke through my panic attack. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm just kind of sitting on the floor like, what the fuck is going What the fuck's wrong with me? I'm having a heart attack. This is not going. Nothing's going. And then it, it calmed me. And then he was like, hey, I'm sorry. And, and you just felt this calm come over you like. Right. I, and then that was one of the, that was when I was like, oh, this is why I'm here. Mm. This is why. In that room? This is why I'm, no, I had spent, at that point, I had been in the Springs for fucking 10 months, just whittling away, not doing shit. My mind was gone. My I never did, I didn't do a lot. I just sat and did nothing, you know? Maybe left the house. I used to leave the house just to go do tasks. But I didn't have, I wasn't really hanging out. I don't have a lot of friends down there. I have uh, one of my best friends, but we wouldn't hang out every day. I wasn't doing stand-up. You're just sort of in a holding pattern. Yeah. And you don't know why. Yeah. But something's calling you there. And like yeah. you said, well, you knew you were reclaiming that energy. Right. I was purposely. And I have I was, to think that he was probably visiting you there every day. But something about the mushrooms maybe broke down the. Yeah. Because o- I've had experiences on mushrooms that have connected me to. Mm-hmm. Which me is too. why I'm pro-mushroom. 
All right, a quick disclaimer here. We are not experts in psychedelic therapy or the use of psychedelics. We are saying this has been helpful to us. However, it is not recommended for certain personality disorders or mental health issues. So check with your mental health care provider before trying psychedelics or psychedelic therapy. Yeah, I've only been like heavily experimenting with them for the last three years. I had done them a handful of times. I kind of started doing them real good when I moved back to Colorado. I had done them a good couple of times before then, but like I'd go camping and hiking into nature and trip. And one time I was, I took my friend out on the new moon. We went camping on a new moon. It's a good time to go camping. So dark. Oh yeah. And we're looking at the stars and there's a star in the sky called Vega. It's the fifth brightest star in the night sky. Uh, I don't know it, but I'll look for it. It's V-E-G-A, Vega. So it's very predominant. It's like the fifth brightest. You can see it when there's light pollution and shit. And in the fall, it's kind of like always above, directly above you. And uh, I started noticing it shortly after my dad died because I was like grieving at a park one night and there's like a lightning storm. And then I see this very bright star and then I see a shooting star. Come <sighs> through. There's lightning storm and a shooting star. And I'm like, I got a Star Tracker rap. I'm a bit of a nerd. So I'm like, what's this star? And it's Vega. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to associate this with my father. And so I did that for a long time, for a couple of years. Always associated Vega with my father. Flash forward a couple of years, I'm camping on the new moon. I'm tripping my balls off. I'm lying on a broken tree. That's, I'm just staring straight up. Vega's directly above me. And then I see myself. And I'm like, oh, that's not my dad. That's fucking me. Like I see like a stick figure. In the sky. <clears throat> in the sky, like a figure. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking me. And so then from that point <laughs> on, I just associate that star with me. And so then now, every now and then in my life, it appears. And I'm like, I know when I see it. When I'll look and I'll be like, oh, that's Vega. Like, I already know. It's and then I'll pull the phone out. Blam. It is for and sure. And it's it. Like, I can see. I know when I'm looking at it. That's like your yeah. soul in star form. Yeah. I tell you, I have had some Cosmo stuff in this backyard yeah. on mushrooms where, and again, I know some people, if you haven't done psilocybin, you're not going to understand. It's just something that you can't explain. I think it connects you to the cosmos. I believe in the stoned ape, the stoned ape theory. Well, and you've watched well, I believe it Fantastic changed. Fungi, yeah. where the, the mycelium was you know, here way before anything. Yeah. It's the first thing. Right. Ah, it's so cool. After the dinosaurs went extinct, everything was dead. There were fucking 15 tall, 15 foot tall mushrooms. Like mushrooms ran the world when the dinosaurs died. They were eating everything that was dead. And are they still running it? That's the oh, question. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. I think so. Well, Eric, when you were talking way back when I interrupted you, you're talking about being so sad on Christmas and your dad was in, was in the hospital, right? Yeah. On Christmas, and you, that Christmas tree in the hospital lobby, was there something you were going to say? Oh, after that was that? just part of the. That was, was like there that was like the years leading up to it. Like he wasn't he wasn't healthy. Yeah. So like the car accident fucked him up. He had like nerve damage from his neck. He, his arms his arm wouldn't work, right? Or he wouldn't have feeling in it. Couldn't grab things. He had been he had got t boned in a car too before the before the Christmas thing. Before the gallbladder. He had a rough couple of fucking years. Dude, like, a lot of, lot of, he lot was of in physical the, So suffering. it's like, part of me is like, well, did he kill himself because he was getting chronic pain all the time? Too much? And I don't really think so. He was a tough motherfucker. I used to joke, this is bullshit, this is, I shit you not, I used to joke when he was alive that, because he's a tough motherfucker. He's the toughest person I've ever met in my so life. So stoic, like he didn't Mentally his... and physically, just the toughest. And I was like, the only thing that's going to, he used to weld in fucking flip-flops. 
<laughs> He's the only person I've ever met that welds in flip flops. I have welded, and no, yeah. I would not weld in flip flops. Yeah. All that stuff's going all He's, over the, all those sparks. He's a badass, my dad. <laughs> like we grew up snowmobiling and shit before GPS. We kissed fear on the lips a lot, <laughs> and uh, I used to joke that the only thing that was going to take him out was a space rock. <laughs> it turns out it was a piece of lead. I was close. You were close. I we're was gonna pretty give you close. <laughs> that's good. That's good tromedy. Yep. We're gonna give you points for knock, that. Knock knock. <laughs> Who's there? Yeah. Hard hard truth. Hard hard truth. Yeah, the bullet. Yep. God dang. And but so did you ever wonder? Was there ever a doubt in your mind that that for sure he pulled the trigger? Did you? Ever oh no, he did. Because he, he fired a warning shot through the ceiling. A warning shot. I was told by the fucking guy you meet the day that it happened. It's common. Oh, I, I shit you not. So this is what, like a test shot, or yeah. What? So I haven't really told. I don't know if I've told anybody this story. Um, when I got the call that he was dead, I was updating my phone. Oh shoot! I was playing a game of Madden with my friend, updating my phone, and that take you know like a game Madden takes an hour, updating your phone takes forever. So. What what were you playing? Madden, NFL game on oh, the Xbox. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I'm out of the loop on it. Yeah, yeah. Game of Madden, and game your phone's Madden. updating, so it's so taking it's a, an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, Fuck. and it's the worst day of your life. Everybody's trying to get a hold of you. My mom and brother were like, oh, his phone's off. We can't get a hold They were going to send the cops looking for me because they can't get a hold of me. I finally turn on my phone. My life changes in a moment. And my brother, you got to get down here now. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, he said that he said something about pills. I was like, what? Well, my brother found him, too. So in retrospect, my brother didn't know what the fuck to do. Didn't know what the fuck to say. But the entire drive down to the springs, I'm under the impression that he he overdeed on pills. And then I get there, and there's, like, a guy. And then he's like, comes to talk to me, and he's all like, oh, it's very common in this situation for them to fire a warning shot. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, a what, warning a, shot for pills? Right, and then that is how I learned that yeah, he I shot himself. It's so it, was pr- it was all fucked up. None, of, the, none of it was cool. No, and it's so violent. Yeah, and so he yeah. shot a so he shot a shot through the. So it was in the basement where he did it, and so that bullet went through the kitchen floor into the wall, into the living room, destroyed the floor and the wall in the living room. And still, some of these holes are still around. You look well. The floor got redone finally. In the is your mom still living in this house? No, not anymore. She moved to Ohio a couple years ago, but she did up until a couple years ago. Yeah. My brother still lives there. He found him in the basement. And he still lives there. He still lives there. Did you tell him about seeing him and in, in uh, he's not open to it? Uh, we, uh, not going to lie, we haven't talked about my dad in years. You just don't? It's just a subject that you don't touch? For me, I don't go to it because I don't know what he's been through. And I don't want to shake him up. And he's not, he's not actively pursuing healing like I am. Yeah. He's kind of in it. So he's compartmentalized. He's kind of yeah. shut it. A lot of a lot of men, especially, are really good at compartmentalizing. Oh yeah, and put it in a they lock and it down. Man. Yeah, he tries to act like it don't bother him that he's, but I I know it does. You gotta know it does. Yeah, of course. And I don't have it. I don't have the. That's what I'm working on. Like I told my therapist this story today. It was the today was the day I just started going to video therapy again three weeks ago. I've been to therapy before, but I took a break and then I'm back and I'm back in. Today was the day where I told my therapist this what is, happened. So it's time and right. So I told her what I want. Right now, what I want is to figure out how to help my brother because I'm helping myself, and it's working. And I'm experimenting with everything that I can put my hands on. For a while, it was 
hide the pain with booze, hide the pain with drugs, hide the pain with running away to Chicago, hide the pain, and now I'm addressing the pain, and now I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you 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 are doing. But he doesn't do anything. He doesn't go to therapy. He he, la- he scoffs at the idea of it. I try to tell him how helpful it is, and he won't do it. And so I don't know how to talk to him. And then it's so, what he went through is so much worse than what I went through. To find him. Because he found it. Yeah, the shock. And so I just don't bring it up. Yeah, I understand. Because I don't know how. Yeah, and maybe intuitively you just know that it's, yeah. there's nothing to be done there. I just did. Like, you know, I do uh, psychedelic therapy yeah. with psilocybin. Yeah. And then I just, I did another integration session, and I thought, you know, I'm, it's it's helps me grieve is what I do so much on psilocybin is cry. Oh yeah, I cry and cry. Oh, it no, feels like such good that. medicine because it, you cannot keep stuff in a compartment. Yeah. in my mind, I historically have not cried a lot, but I d- have been crying a little lately. Good. Like I'm like the other day I like and I let myself now when it happens I let it happen unless I'm driving and I'm trying to <laughs> shut it down. Yeah. But for the longest time it would start and I'd be like no, you ain't crying, and then now I cry. When it comes up, because I'm still pretty numb. The best thing we can do is grieve. But no, one of the, that's how I know I'm getting better in this, in this, in this current life. So, you know, this eight months since that revelation. Yeah. Uh, That's how I know I'm getting better is because I was washing the dishes the other day. I felt like crying and I let myself, you know. Beautiful. Like I fucking leaned up on the fridge and bawled for 15 seconds and then. I love it. And then that was it. It's actually beautiful. Now when I start to cry, I hope it lasts longer than it does. (laughs) Because then it goes away. But I let it, I let it come through me. It's the best thing is to let the feelings move. Yeah. People, the fear is that you'll get stuck in it. And the irony is that it actually. It's cathartic. And and it does move. Because I don't know why. It doesn't last forever. I don't know why I haven't cried. I have not. I mean, I cry when it happened. I bawl my eyes off. But I'm like, most of the time I don't cry. I'm very, I've always been great at covering my emotions and shutting it down, but there has been something in me where I have not, I must have buried it deep because. Well, you had to hide. It don't come out. It made you too vulnerable. Right, because I tell, like, people know. And then I, I, I did post a thing on the internet at the end of last year. I was doing, like, a final, it was like a year in summation. And it ended up being, I just wrote it, you know what I'm saying? I just wrote how I feel. Ended up being so moving by hundreds of my friends were touched by it. Yeah. Like hundreds of them. Isn't it ironic that some of the stuff that, that you don't want to share is right. absolutely what you needed to share oh. and what really connects you with people? Yeah, I mean, if you, looked at, the, if you looked at the all-time, the highest like post, it's that one. But it was like people didn't know. People didn't know, and I know people didn't know because I didn't fucking tell people. But I've also not, like, not told people. Like, it'll come up. I'll be drunk and be like, oh, my dad shot himself, like. You want to talk, but you want to talk, you want to do trauma. You want to yeah. say some trauma. Like, you want to know what keeps me up at night. <laughs> God. And so, because I'm just, like, this conversation we're having, I'm just now at a point where I can candidly talk about this. Yeah, thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Because there are people out there who have felt like they can't tell their vulnerable truth. And I think yeah. if you can help them know they're not alone. And because it is, there's such a, it's such a complicated thing when a parent does something so so dramatic and traumatic and I mean to kill themselves it brings up oh all kinds of family shame and then I don't know about you but do you ever feel like the sense of powerlessness that you you, do you ever feel like you could have saved him oh yeah definitely I've had (sighs) I've felt everything regret because I told you that I you know there was that 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 story in Iowa he calls me outside of his mind I tell my mom and my brother I think something's up with him 
and they just ignore me because I'm the youngest kid. They've always, I don't know nothing. Your opinion doesn't count. Exactly. And then so like, fuck, it's taking everything, taking everything I had not to be like, I told you so. Yeah. Like, because I saw it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My brother kind of saw it too. He had mentioned after it happened that he had thought about changing the key, the keypad to the gun safe. Shoot. And I'm like, why didn't you fucking do it? And so he must be tortured by that. Oh, absolutely. And thinking about healing your brother, what I wanted to share too about this last psilocybin journey that I got. And, you know, I tried to heal my mom. I wanted to heal her. Yeah. I wanted to heal her. And it just makes me feel so frustrated and powerless. And it feels like what I've put on earth to do is to yeah. do healing. And I couldn't heal my mom. And then I married all these people that were like, I wanted to heal them. Heal them. And I couldn't. But the bottom line is what I got from the psilocybin was you cannot heal anyone that does not want to heal. Yeah. And you, and nobody can. Shit, I think you can only heal yourself. My mom has healed. Yeah. My mom moved to Ohio and it's the greatest thing she could have done because now she's with her. She's by her mom and her sister. And her sister has a daughter and two kids and there's grandkids because I don't have any kids because... I don't have a good framework for love. And not then, yet. And then my brother doesn't have any kids because he's historically, even before this all happened, kind of not social, didn't date, loves his race car. He's one of those people. Okay. I don't judge my brother at all for his life choices. Right. But but, but he didn't pursue relationships to, to begin with. And so he's not having any kids. And I'm not having any kids because I travel. I can't figure it out. And uh, So my mom's got no grandkids and she's, you know, 65, almost 70. And so her being in Ohio was great. She was, because she had retired. She was a flight attendant for 10 years. She retired a couple years ago, was just sitting around that house in Colorado Springs, not doing shit. And that place is so bad. Yeah. I'm Ain't glad nobody she got out. Down there, Does yeah. she have uh, relatives or something up in Ohio? Oh, yeah. Her mom's there. So she's taking care of her mom. My, my grandma's 90, still around. Wow. Just celebrated so her she, 90th birthday. So I, flew, she's we, I flew out to Ohio and said, surprised her. For, she knew a lot of people. She had a hunch. She, she like, we tried to throw a surprise party. <laughs> for but, a 90 But she like, she, like, knew there was going to be a party. Yeah, it's hard to put one over on a 90 And then she knew there was going to be people there. <laughs> but not me. <laughs> you were the surprise. So I was the surprise for Grandma. Did it light, did it light oh, up? Oh, yeah, you could tell. I love my Grandma. Because we got to hang out because she's from Chicago, born in Chicago in the 30s. Uh, and they lived uh, in the Pullman neighborhood up until the uh, MLK assassination. The neighborhood was riots. They lived in that neighborhood of riots. And they moved. My my dad, my grandpa on that side was like a, a jack of all trades in Chicago. He worked for GM on locomotives. Like I get the GM family discount because of this man. Uh, he worked for Post Serial. He did the drywall lathing in the Marina Towers, the two round ones that were on the Wilco album. Oh, uh, wow. along the he did the drywall and the and the marina towers on those curved walls. Motherfucker did everything. Well, I've been in them now, and the outsides are just curved. I don't know what's up with the <laughs> <laughs> the insides like normal square buildings. I oh, got it to, is. I okay. got to go inside. A friend of mine happened to be living in it last summer when I was out there, and it was like the fucking week before he was moving. I just happened to be out there. I got to go on a balcony and where your grandpa and when my grandpa did the drywall. That's really cool. Yeah, and so he they moved after they moved from the south side. They he bought a house in Indiana an hour away, Lowell, Indiana. It's near Crown Point. These are nowhere cities in Indiana, but an hour from Chicago, so my grandfather would commute. But my grandma lived in this house for decades. She outlived him. She remarried. She outlived him. And then uh, only maybe like five years ago, she decided to move from the house. They had that house for 40, 50 years. And then she decided to go to an assisted living thing in near Columbus where her daughter and my aunt live. Uh and so she sold the house. and But when I lived in Chicago, I would drive and go have a day with my grandma. 
we would get fried chicken at the grocery store nearby and she'd tell me stories. Oh. Like we would just, it was cool. Like once a month I'd drive out there. So when she moved, it broke my heart. I was like, I just, yeah, <laughs> we get to hang out, grandma. And you can go play the funny bone in Columbus now. Right. And so, uh, so I got to know her more because before that it was just visitations like Christmas every couple years, every Every interaction was surrounded by family members. Yeah, so you so got this some was one-on-one time. She would tell me stories about my mom and shit. See, those are the stories you yeah. want to record. Some it of it was that. like one-on-one time with my grandma. Yeah, that's what my when I look back at the time I spent in Chicago, the ability to have these moments with my grandma is what I will cherish the most, probably. I love that, Eric. Yeah. So now we've had one-on-one talks. She's badass as shit. She's also one of the only people in my whole family that for my entire life has referred to stand-up as my career. Oh, she's a not bo- just, so she's not in just your corner. Your, not just your fucking bits, not your hobby. She's like, not how's your stand-up career going? That's beautiful. Yeah. She's in it. Yeah. Wow, you guys have a really special relationship. Yeah. I had that with my grandma. It, it, we just had this really... It, there's nothing more important, I think, than a, a grandparent like that. No, because she's the only one... She's the only one I got to know because bef- the rest of them died when I was young. I'm like, kind of wondering if she could help you heal that relationship thing where you can have a trusted yeah. relationship with an adult, even though maybe I mean, she, you know what I mean? I don't know if I can. She's, she's not the healthiest now, so I'm but, told. Oh, but I'm going to try to keep it light with her. Yeah. But do you know I what I'm her. trying to say? Like, Oh, yeah, let me remember that this relationship yeah. is a safe place for intimacy, a safe place to share my heart's desires. Yeah. You know, she's made it safe for you to say, this is my career. I mean, she honors and respects you. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel, I have a feeling about that being such a healing relationship. Oh, that yeah. That could lead to you having, like, because what you just said earlier is like, ah, I don't have the best relationship yeah. style or whatever. I don't remember the term, but. Yeah, yeah. No, be, I, uh, I think she could be part of that healing for you yeah i've been dating very much with intention lately like i I, i've realized i'm the real deal i'm looking for the real deal yeah at this point like because i did a lot i I might not have been in a good position to myself to maintain a relationship previously because i hadn't healed i am so glad you're healing with the help of humor and grief work trauma therapy and let's not forget the help of your dad's spirit coming to you and giving you peace is there anything else that you want to share? What I love showing people, what we're doing here is trying to help other people who may not be comedians yeah. learn how to take your pain and play with it a little bit like you did with some of your jokes. Like, yeah. I always thought it was going to be space a space rock. rock yeah. you know? That's a dark joke. It is a dark joke, but that's what <laughs> trauma is. Not that funny. Pretty funny. It is because it's, it's so real. Scientifically true. <laughs> Lead. <It's a> space rock. <laughs> Your face is making me laugh. It's me and my core. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Did you, this is, you don't have to answer this, yeah. but did you ever have to, did you have to see your father? Your brother did. No. You did not. No. And then they fixed him up for the showing. Couldn't oh, they did a showing? Couldn't even tell. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he did it in his mouth. <gasps> so it wasn't like, so it like came out the back. I read the autopsy. You did read oh, it. Oh, God. Yeah. That had to have been hard. Oh, I got deep. I think I burned it after I was done with it. Uh, cathartically. Uh, I think I, I'm pretty sure I lit it on fire in the trash can in my studio apartment in, yeah. in the Baker neighborhood recklessly. 
Could have burned down the whole fucking place. Uh, I sat on the floor. And set I, off the I, smoke I, alarms. Oh, yeah. I sat on the floor and I read it, and I'm pretty sure I burned it afterwards. Holy shit. Eric. Yeah. Oh, I was looking for fucking answers. Yeah, because you did not. I didn't understand it. You needed to know. Yeah, so in his toxicology report, the only thing that was in it was ambient. He was a drunk his whole life, no alcohol, and only ambient. There was no booze. That's what makes me fucking suspicious. And there's nothing, like, have you ever thought, well, I want to do a class action suit against Ambien? That, like, kind of came up, but nobody followed it. And, like, my mom had kind of talked to a lawyer about it. We have a family lawyer and shit, but I don't think anything. And then I don't give a fuck. You just got to let it go now. Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. what you're saying? Is it too late to sue? Because we could. What's the statute of limitations? I don't know that I'll there bring are. It, I'll bring it back up now. Shit. I don't know. Because it's me. Any. And even now in this moment, I'm like, yeah, nah. Have they outlawed Ambien or, or do people still take know, that? I think they still prescribe it. Yeah, I've heard so many stories. Oh, no, I'm a victim for sure. And so, because this judicial, like I said, well, as soon as I found out that there was judicial precedent around the matter, mm-hmm. people get in their car and go, like, it started all light. And it's like, people get in their car and they'll fucking wake up. There'll be Taco Bell in their living room. And they're like, I didn't go to Taco Bell, but they got the receipt from 1.30 a.m. All the rappers, you went to Taco Bell. And then it graduates from Taco Bell to... Oh, I ran people over and fucking killed them, and then the and then the court let me ride because the ambient happened. So they took and lo- so he people had, get off people get I off mean, of vehicular I, homicide. I mean, this is worth a phone call. I would say if he had ambient in his bloodstream, intuitively, do you is that what you think it was? Personally, yes, because it was so fucking freak. And like, like and I like said, you said, he's tough as nails. Well, it was like the fucking, he's anti-suicide. He had an uncle kill himself and he hated that uncle afterwards. He was anti-suicide his whole life. Ever since I was a kid, he was like, don't ever kill yourself. That's the fucking bitch move, killing yourself. That was his mentality. I'm paraphrasing, but that was his, how he felt. It was a bitch move. Yeah. Because his uncle killed himself and it fucked him up and he never forgave his uncle. And so he wasn't the type to kill himself. And it was the paranoia thing, that story... It all comes back to that story about the Ohio thing where, or the in, the Iowa thing Somebody where he called me from the people, someone's chasing me. And then because why'd he fire the warning shot? Yeah. You know? That's what I want to know. Could have been a, he thought he was shooting it and then thought, and then turned it on himself because he thought he had no choice to survive a situation that created in his head. That's what I think. This is, if you want to ask me what I think happened, he created a situation in his stuff where he was getting attacked and he had no choice but to shoot himself. He had to take himself out. For I believe whatever. it was a reoccurring psychosis thing. If you ask me, this is what I think. And I could be fucking wrong, but I got nothing else. Yeah. But I think it was a psychosis That's thing. That's the only thing that makes sense. Right. It's like the thing in Iowa don't make no sense. This, the ambient stories all, because he was probably having, having an ambient blackout in that moment he called me. That was probably an ambient blackout. And then another one happened. And so it could have been reoccurring. I don't know what happens when you fucking take ambient. I don't know if the blackouts are reoccurring, but I'm, I'm 90%, I'm 99% sure that that's what happened. And does that give you some peace in a weird way that, he, yeah, he didn't choose that. It was he was not in his right mind. Yeah. So yeah, no, because it's been like there's been cryptic shit. Like so, there was the I told you the thing where I got to see him. Right, they had a small we had like a public funeral where my mom didn't tell any of his friends what really happened. They just said he died. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, she was, was in the closet about oh, it. Oh yeah, and it was kind of hard for me. But they covered that up. They told some of his close friends, and then one of his friends know. Like people know because he. Is one of his close friends is my brother's friend, and he called him. He helped fucking clean shit up. He took the trash out that uh. day. You know what I mean? And so people know that he works with, but they didn't want to tarnish his reputation. This is very common. 
when okay. people kill themselves, the family will not tell people for to fear of tarnishing their reputation. And so that's what happened with him. So they had a public funeral where they didn't tell nobody. And then we had a private service. And it was for me, my mom, my brother, his sister had flown out and her two kids. And then we have a family that we always had Thanksgiving and Christmas with, probably like four people, right? And so my dad's not religious because when his dad died, the Catholic Church wouldn't give him a funeral because he had been divorced. So my dad was like, fuck the Catholic Church. My whole I was raised not religious, thank God. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Because uh, I didn't get religion. We used to go vacation Bible school, but there was a free babysitter at the end of the block. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so it would have been weird to have somebody talk about God and my dad. And so we're having the private service. And, but there were, one of these family friends was very much connected to God. And he was like a preacher, older dude, uh, single from Brooklyn. He had a New York accent. And then this man nearly died. I don't remember the timeline if it was before or after my dad, but I went to say goodbye to him in hospice care. He was having kidney failure. He was fucking dying. He believes in God, and he walked out of that bitch. What? And lived for four more years. What? And so I can't remember if it was before or after this. He had almost died, but he was the man that gave a little speech at the showing, a little private funeral we had. I'll never forget this because it was crazy. But, like, it was a sunny day when we did this little thing. We go into the funeral for whatever. It's sunny outside. And then he starts talking about my dad. He starts talking about how my dad's with the Lord. And it starts fucking hailing. Right then. Fucking hailing. I thought that the stained glass windows were going to shatter. It's hailing. <laughs> it's fucking hailing. This is a moment. <gasps> like, and he feels it. He starts talking more, you know? And this goes on for five, ten minutes. And to a point where I can't take it anymore. I get up and I walk out to open the door to see what the fuck is going on. And the the hail has made it white as snow. My dad's nickname was the Arctic Man. What? He loved snowmobiling. He loved the mountains. His nickname was the Arctic Man. His email address was the Arctic Man. He's powerful. Oh, no. And He's it was, powerful on the other side. It was white as fucking snow and then sunny again. It hailed for fucking 10 minutes. Just during that. Just while David was talking about him being on the other side. Again, I'm getting the goosebumps. Nah, it was real shit. I get goosebumps too when I think about that. Yeah. That that fucking happened. You know, you've got this dad on the other side. I know I have these guardian angels. My grandmother died in a car accident, and I feel like she protects me in cars. You just about had a car accident. That had a narrow. Was I feel. A, oh, yeah. You have some guardian angels. I have two hailstorms I've kind of kissed death in, now that you mention it. Yeah. And hailstorms. Hail, specifically. Specifically. Specifically and hail. And there's your dad on the other side. Uh-huh. Because I was driving through, I was driving back from Salida from a gig to Colorado Springs a couple, two summers ago on a full moon during the day. <laughs> and, I love uh, that you pay attention to the moon. I oh, really. I love the fucking moon. Yeah. I have a, it's on my keychain. I have a little silver, it's cast in silver of the moon. Yeah. I love the moon. I usually keep track of the phases. It's important. And uh, I was driving back from Salida, and I ran into a... uh, It was like raining off and on the whole time. It was kind of crazy. It was the afternoon. I shouldn't have... I kind of hung around a little later because I had met a lady out there. And I stayed a little longer than I should have. And uh, so I'm driving through the afternoon, summer rainstorms. It's like raining off and on. And then all of a sudden, it goes from like not raining. This is like Hartzell, right? Like like, uh, that big valley. Out there, right before you hit Salida. Okay. On what? Highway 24. All right. 
And uh, so it was like not raining, and then blam, I ran into a wall of hail, and my car floated up on like marbles. Like I didn't hydroplane. It was like a conveyor belt. I'll never forget the sensation. It was unlike anything. It was not like ice. It was not like hydroplaning. It was not like water. It was like floating completely out of control. And luckily it went to the right instead of the left because I would have crossed traffic and gotten creamed. And then so I go in the right and I go in the ditch and I'm like, okay, I've been in a ditch before in this Corolla. If we can just get this ditch to stop, (laughs) that'd be great. And as soon as I had that thought, I dropped into the drainage culvert and hit a concrete wall. It's the only drainage culvert for 100 miles. It's the only f- man-made structure for 100 miles. Otherwise, what would have happened? I would have just been in the fucking ditch. It would have just stopped. But I hit the fucking wall. Wait, so was it a good thing to hit the wall? No. <laughs> I'm confused. The only, But it was like funny because I was like, <laughs> if we could just get this bitch to stop. Oh, and um, then it was like, blam! <laughs> there you go. Here's your wall. Wish, is your what? wish is my command. <laughs> yeah. Now you have two more wishes. Uh-huh. And so, and I walked Dude. away from that unscathed. Uh. It totaled that fucking bitch. Airbags, everything. Slammed <laughs> it. Luckily, I think it hit the ground first and then the wall because of the way that I fell into the ditch. So it decelerated it? Yeah, because the ground was all water, sand, gushy, because it had been pouring. And then I hit the wall. I was going, you know, forty five miles. The only thing to hit if this if this would just stop. Oh no! I literally, I was like, because I was calm as fuck in the ditch, because I've been <laughs> in the ditch. I had just gotten out of it. That thing had airtime. I'd driven that car. A car. I've had some incidences, and so I was cool. You know how like your body don't tense up and shit. I wasn't tense in the ditch. I was like, whatever. <laughs> No. And then I was like, if we could make this bitch stop, that'd be cool. And then bam. Boom. Stop. And then fucking Watch chaos. what fucking, you pray for. Fucking chaos, right? So I like get out of the car because I'm like the smell from the airbags. I was like, because I like do the check, right? I like got everything. Yeah. My glasses had fallen off and I got my, found my glasses and that was it. Like my, I'm not. No bleeding. No bleeding. I'm fine. I like. No broken oh my bones. Fucking God. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, well, I got to get out the car then. And so I get out the car and it's fucking pouring, right? And I'm like, well, fuck, I got to get back in the car. <laughs> and then uh, and then, luckily it was like the tunnel. So I get out and I go under the tunnel and I'm sitting there. There's like a fucking falcon <gasps> with like a damaged l- wing <gasps> there. Aww. And I'm like, oh, that's my, that's my angel right there. This, I saw that falcon and I was like, you're going to be all right. Yeah. And then. Uh, um, I have this thing with hawks. Wow, yeah, yeah, you yeah. had a falcon. You saw like a, a predator bird of some kind. Yeah, I didn't get a great look. I got a picture of it somewhere I took, but. I saw that bird, and I knew I was going to be all right. Mm. I changed my clothes. I called my brother. I called the tow truck. I called the insurance. tow truck makes me call the cops. <laughs> call the cops. And then I can just get the fucking car. I have AAA. I got my car towed. It could take me 100 miles. The place where it was dropping the car up was 98 miles away. AAA plus. AAA RV plus. 98 miles. It was just under the fucking, <laughs> from the fucking valley, wherever the fuck I was in the middle of nowhere. Someone's taking care of you. To this place where it was free. To tow the car was free. Yep. And uh, I love AAA. Oh, me too. Shout out to AAA. Shout out. Best uh, $98. I don't even know oh, what it costs now. Hey, that's about it. 812. 80 bucks, 80 bucks a month. I'll never, <laughs> I have I mean, the family plan. I think I yeah, pay yeah. a little I'll never, I'll never go without it. RV no. plus, 100 miles. And it, yeah, so that was, I kissed death. I mean, def, I mean, it, I still have residual back pain, but I walked from that. In, you in lived. straight fucking chaos. You could have gone all the way across oh, the I've, line. I've replayed that scenario in my head. That was the only way I make it out alive was the way that it happened. Every other way, either hurt or fucking dead. So, and, and then you had a, you had a 
Yeah, and then in let's, South Dakota. We, let's end on your on your. South yeah, I, this just yeah. happened. This just happened because yeah. we will we'll have closure. But I, I know you've got more stories, so yeah, we'll st- we can end this episode and start another one. Okay, <laughs> get more tequila and dive back in. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no. So it was uh, yeah, just in June or whatever. We're at the, the, the we're going to the Black Hills Comedy Festival. Me and my friends are leaving Casper, Wyoming. We had done a show in Casper the night before, so we're driving over. And the whole trip, I'm like hyper aware of these thunderstorms like i made them leave early the day before because we're ducking this thunderstorm and yeah there was a big pattern oh no we had like we had a hard out i've been ducking thunderstorms all fucking summer and i was like we gotta and then we saw it in cat in wyoming there i was like there it is motherfuckers this is why we left early and they're like good call because that looks brutal and then the next day i was like too hungover right we got hammered in casper and uh, drinking Lucy's, walking down the street, kind of, kind of drunk. Uh-oh. <laughs> Should have been jailed. If we were back uh-huh. We'd have been in jail. But and, you were, uh, you didn't have the wherewithal to check the weather. No, nah, so I like didn't. I was like, we're gonna be fine. I had kind of checked it, and there were like kind of some storms. But I was like, where we're going, the timing. I was like, we're gonna be fine. And then we're fucking getting close to the edge of the border of Wyoming, where it turns into South Dakota. And then in the back, Matt Cobos is like, ah, just so you know, I got an alert on my phone that we're in a tornado warning. Oh. And I'm all laughing. I'm like, yeah, you see a tornado, you say something. Because we're on the road. <laughs> yeah. we go, we going. You're already there? We're already going. We're, all, we're like between Spearfish and Rapid City at this point. We got 40 minutes left. There's nothing out there. Right. We've been driving for fucking six hours or something. I was like, we're, it's going to rain. If it gets crazy rain, I'll pull over. But whatever. I'm not worried. And so, and then it fucking starts raining. starts fucking hailing. And I'm looking up at the road, and this is a part of, like, this is on I-90, and they have no no divider between the oncoming traffic on I-90 in this part of South. It's just a grass. Yeah. No rope, no steel barrier, no jersey barrier, just a, a, just a median. Got to be 75 feet wide of grass median. And I look up, and I see a minivan lose control and get into the grass median. And I'm like, oh, fuck. It's, like, coming at us. And I'm like, well, it's in the median. It's probably going to stay there. And it should have rolled. Like, but the way that the, the, the because of the, because I think that van hydroplane lost control because it was fucking raining. And I'm pretty sure it hydroplane lost control. And then it hit the median. I was like, this bitch should be rolling. But it was doing a flat spin because the grass was all soft and wet. It's doing a flat 360 spin instead of rolling. On its wheels. On its wheels, spinning. And then I'm like, well, there's no way it's going to get back on the highway. And then all of a sudden, it got back on the highway right in front of us, spinning fucking minivan <laughs> coming. We're going right in we're your going, lane. We're going fifty. It's got to be going fifty. You know what I'm saying? Coming but at you. If we collide, we all did. You know, it, uh, it's coming right at you. Oh, it was coming right at us, and it was spinning out of control. Flat spin, three sixty. It gets back on the highway. Starts. I see. I can still remember the fucking black marks from the w- tires, and I like swerve, brake. Like, they all tell the story, like, well, you did a bunch of shit. Like, <laughs> like you saw it the whole time. I'm swerving. That didn't work. I made adjustments. This is all milliseconds. And it got to the point where in my head, I was like, well, you tried. You surrendered. I was like, brace, this for, is it. brace, brace, for, brace for impact. That was like, in my head was like, you tried. You're going to hit this car. And it, we missed it by a foot. Steve could have high-fived the fucking driver on the way by. It just fucking went right by us. Wow. And we're like. Holy shit. I didn't hit the car next to me. There was like a truck next to me that I'm like swerving and like didn't hit that car either. We're going the same direction, you know? Uh, So you had nowhere. You couldn't even got, you couldn't have gone over that way. Right. I didn't hit. Right. Like I, uh, 
And we're like, holy shit, dude. On, like, man. and then like, I kind of like pull over on the exit and stop there. And I'm like, this is bad. It's like pouring. I'm just, I need a moment. And then <laughs> I need a moment. And then I'm like, well, this is a bad place to stop because there's cars coming. It's raining. They can't really see me. My car's like silver. It's not the best car to be in the rain and, and shit. So we keep going. And then all of us feel bad. We're like, we, we should try to help, you know, because I've been on the side of the highway alone. And yeah. So you're thinking this van needs help. Right. They need help. And so, uh, then I get on a service highway and we try to go back the other direction to see if we can find it. And then it just starts fucking hailing more. So we turned around and went to the gas station and bought lottery tickets. <laughs> but we had already, we had already won. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and congratulations. But that was in June. Yeah. And you didn't have to pay taxes on that win. Nope. And then now every time Matt Kobus's girlfriend works at a bar and uh, I don't pay for drinks there <laughs> anymore. She's like, you saved me from being a widow. Yes. Oh. Which, and then I talked to Maddie about this. We told the story a week or two ago. I didn't realize it until I talked to him afterwards. I was like, he made a point to point out the speed at which that minivan was coming. Because hitting us, like I hit that wall, right? Yeah. In that first one. And that's a stationary object. If you hit something that's coming at, also coming at you. Yeah. That exponentially makes the force way different. Yeah, you're right. We'd have been fucking like. Blown to pieces. I'd have been probably dead in the front. Yeah. And so who knows what would have happened. Well, I'm going to, what's your dad's name? Scott Henderson. Scott Allen Henderson. Uh, Give it up for Scott Allen Henderson. I do believe uh, he's working overtime. Yeah. Make sure you tip the waist. (laughs) Because, yeah, I know. It's like, it's wild. Because now all I want to do is live. Yeah. Like I've kind of had this this moment of clarity. Hey. And I'm I'm I've I have this I'm still working on it, but I feel like I'm chasing. I I want my my time back from the last eight years. Uh-huh. Now that's what bothers me now is I was 28 when this started. And I'm 36 now. Yeah. And I'm like I'd love to have that part of my life back. I hear you. And. But all I want to do now is live. But you're so young. Yeah. You have to remember how young you are. I know it's hard to understand yeah. when you get over 60, yeah. 36, I remember. Although it does go fast. Right. So savor it. Do right. No, I live, I live so, like these last couple months, Yeah. I've been so in the moment. Yeah. It's like, I have been, I'm living. And that is what my. I'm like truly living these days. That is what I preach. This is where the joy is in life, yeah. is being in the present moment. No, because tomorrow ain't promised for shit. No, we and don't know. I'm lucky enough to be able-bodied and a tall, white, good-looking, charming, <laughs> funny. What am I upset Single. about? Single. That's right, ladies. <laughs> ladies. That's right. I'm talking to the ladies. Right. It's like I have so much to be fucking blessed about. Yeah. It's like I don't want to spend another moment feeling bad about myself. Oh, my dog's barking at us. Yeah. So she's, she's chiming in. Yeah. I better go check on her. Yeah. <laughs> in closing... You are you are leading a charmed life. Yeah. And thank you for being in the present moment with me. Of course. This was fantastic. And check out Eric Henderson. Where can people find you on the Instas and on all that? Instagram, uh, I'm the Eric Henderson. Uh, that's with really, a C. Yeah, with a C. So the Eric Henderson. That's really all I fuck with these days. A lot of like, I have a Twitter, but I was thinking about deleting it. I did delete mine a while yeah. back. And then I'm on Facebook too, but I don't have a check in. The best way to keep up with me is on Instagram. Okay. I post my stuff about my comedy. I to- post astrophotography photos. Ooh, they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I will put a link to Eric's Instagram page in the show notes. So yeah. click on that. Give him a, a follow and see his beautiful pictures. And who knows, maybe one of you lucky ladies out there will be laying 
on the ground in the grasses, watching watching the stars. Yeah. Looking at Vega. Mm-hmm. Lucky them. What's your star? <laughs> what? Ask. Okay. What's your star? <laughs> well, mine's Vega. What's yeah. yours? It's a binary star, which means it's two stars. It's actually two. It's two stars. There's one for each of us. That's right. Ooh, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that. I think it will not yeah, do well. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll let you know. Thanks again, Thank Eric. Thank you so much, Nancy. This was amazing. All right, we'll do it again soon. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank my guest, Eric Henderson, for sharing his vulnerable truth. Follow Eric on Instagram at the dot Eric dot Henderson, and that's Eric E R I C. I'd also like to thank my son, Nathaniel Norton, for helping with music for Tromedy. I'd like to thank my listeners and my friends who are giving me feedback, letting me know that this podcast is resonating and helping. Do you want to share your healing journey? This is peer-to-peer learning, and we learn from each other. Every episode, I learn something, and I want to thank you all. No matter what, keep laughing. A new Tromedy episode every Tuesday. 